And now, a message from Pastor Michael Carmody. So, um, we started a few weeks ago talking about a, uh, a book, a particular book that was written by the Apostle Paul, a letter actually, that the Apostle Paul wrote to a young man by the name of Titus. And Titus was a pastor who Paul had left on the island of Crete. And uh, historically, Crete was, it was a, a Greek island. Um, and of course, that time, not only was it under Greek rule, but it was also under Roman occupation. Rome pretty much ruled everything in those days. Um, and there were some issues. The Cretans were known as uh, not a real trustworthy lot of people. And so we have the Apostle Paul going there and uh, evangelizing, starting churches, and start having home churches start in various parts of the island of Crete. And then he leaves this young man, Titus, there to actually, Paul said it this way, to finish excuse me, the work that Paul had started. And so Paul knew that he was called for a certain period of time to establish these churches in Crete. And then he knew it was time for him to move on and turn this work over to Titus. Then he sends this letter to Titus, and we're into the third chapter already. So we've been doing this now for several weeks. But we come into the third chapter, and we find Paul giving Titus some specific instructions about how to uh, instruct and how to minister to the people on the island of Crete. And so we pick up in Titus chapter 3, verses 1 through 8. Today I'm going to be reading from the message translation. It says this, Remind the people to respect the government. Yes, it really says that. And be law-abiding, always ready to lend a helping hand. No insults, no fights. God's people should be big-hearted and courteous. It wasn't so long ago that we ourselves were stupid and stubborn. Can't get any witnesses in the house. Dupes of sin, ordered every which way by our glands. I love that line, that's hilarious. Going around with a chip on our shoulder, hated and hating back. But when God, our kind and loving Savior God, stepped in, He saved us from all that. Everybody say all that. He saved us from all that. That was really good news, by the way. It was his doing. We had nothing to do with it. He gave us a good bath. And we came out of it new people, washed inside and out by the Holy Spirit. Our Savior Jesus poured out new life so generously. God's gift has restored our relationship with him and given us back our lives. And there's more life to come, an eternity of life. You can count on this. I want you to put your foot down. Take a firm stand on these matters so that those who have put their trust in God will concentrate on the essentials that are good for everyone. Yeah. All right, so there's our text today. So we've read the text. Now we're going to go back and I'm going to break it down a little bit and try to see if we can um, get something out of this text that will help us today. Because you know something I realized, when the Holy Spirit inspires Paul or anybody in the scriptures to write, it's a specific time to a specific place and a specific people. Uh, the Bible is very specific about what happens here. The Apostle Paul writes this letter to Titus. Titus is a real individual, a young man, as I said, someone like myself, a young man, pastoring, pastoring a uh, group of people. I don't understand the chuckles. Uh, group, pastoring a group of people on the island of Crete, which was kind of a heathen island. And he gives him these instructions. But the thing I realized is it wasn't just Paul writing a letter. It was the Holy Spirit inspiring Paul to write to Titus for his time 
but also to write in such a way that a couple thousand years later, a group of believers sitting in Fort Dodge, Iowa, can look at this same text and say, wow, this is talking to me. This is what I need to do. This is God instructing me today. And so that's what we want to pull out of this, right? So let's look at that first verse again. It says, remind the people. How many know every once in a while we have to be reminded of things that we already know? I think sometimes I've forgotten more than I know. If that makes any sense. If that confuses you, there's one other thing. We, none of us really know what we don't know. And sometimes we don't even remember what we forgot. But the, the fact of the matter is we all need to be reminded of certain things from time to time. Am I right about it? So let's think of our message today as a reminder. A simple reminder of things that we need to remember and we may have forgotten. So the first one is this. Remind the people to respect the government and be law-abiding and always ready to lend a helping hand. How many of you think all oh, that sounds really good? How many think it sounds a little challenging? Sure, that too. So this is what we're reading here in this first part. There's three different um, but related issues in verse 1. The first instruction here is, Paul says, Titus, I need you to teach the people to respect the government. Now here's the thing. Uh, as I said, the government of Crete was probably not doing a very good job. The people in Crete were known as robbers. They were very deceitful. They were liars, but there was also they were known for robbery. So you had to be very careful when you traveled in Crete because there were there were street bandits, there were robbers, people who would rob you. There, there was a place that was known for murder. There was often civil war that would take place. There, there was a lot of conflict that happened on this little island of Crete. And he says he writes him and says, respect the government. Uh, be law-abiding. Be ready to lend a hand. And I look at those three things, and I think this whole thing is really teaching the Titan, the, the Cretans. He wants Titus, the Titans, yeah. He wants Cretus to teach the Titans. Um, he wants Titus to teach the Cretans. This isn't as easy as it looks, I'm just saying. He wants Titus to teach the Cretans these three things about citizenship. This is what it means to be a citizen of the island of Crete. It's not about robbery and murder and lying and deceiving and being led about by our glands. It's about learning how to live a specific way. Um, and so it appears from Paul's letter to Titus that the newly formed Christian church on the island of Crete had not yet made a full recovery from their old lifestyle. And you know what? I find that's still true today. I mean, seriously, how many of us in this room can say, I have made a full recovery from my old lifestyle, and everything, and everything is perfectly perfect in my life? It's just not true, is it? The problem is we still have this flesh to deal with. We still have glands. I mean, and we have other stuff. But we have these things that we have to, that we have to deal with. We have stuff that in life that challenges us. And we have ways of thinking that have been so ingrained into us. We inherited it from our parents and their parents and the parents before those parents. And it's just part of our DNA. It's part of who we are. And yet all of that in some ways works against the work of the kingdom. And so there's this battle that goes on in our lives. Am I right about it? See, before we, before we came to Christ, we didn't have that battle. We just did whatever we wanted to. Then we came to Christ and a battle began to happen. The battle of following the flesh or following the spirit. Anybody know what I'm talking about? In some days, on good days, the spirit wins and we live exactly the way God wants us to. And we get done with the day and say, wow, that was a good day. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And then there's other days. Yeah. Don't even want to talk about them. That's right. And so he springs this idea on Titus. And he tells Titus, I want you to remind these Cretans, these liars, these deceivers, these robbers, murderers, people who are, whose lives are just a mess. I want you to remind these Cretan believers 
that they have a mission and their mission is to respect the government wow this is a government that somehow is not doing its job i mean the island of crete was a lawless place and it's not that there wasn't a government there. It's not that there weren't laws there, but they were being ignored. The government wasn't really doing its job. It was a broken government. We don't know anything about those kinds of things in modern times. But this was a broken government. And yet he says, I want you to respect the government. Everybody say R-E-S-P-E-C-T. He says, I want you to respect. I want you to respect. Find out what it means to me. I want you to respect this government. And it's like, wow, how do you respect something that's not doing its job? Well, it's not about what the government is doing. It's about what the Holy Spirit is doing in the hearts of people to create citizenship that makes a difference on the island of Crete and in Fort Dodge and in Iowa and wherever you're from and really throughout the world. When Christians rise up and be the people that God has called them to be, it changes cultures. It changes societies. And it can change, not by legislation necessarily, or even, God help me, by voting, but by lives being individually changed. Nations can change. Cultures can change. Societies can change. Cretans can change. Titus used to refer to the Cretans as Cretans. I never get that chance. I don't get to call anybody Cretans. I get to address Christians. Right? And yet I realized, like the Cretans, we Christians have our issues. And we still have our stuff. So he says this, that that word respect means to hold something in high esteem. So let's get our brains around that for a moment. Hold the government in high esteem. And not just the parts of it that we think are going well. Hold the government in high esteem. Wow. Somebody say that's a challenge. I know. It really is. The government, I mean, I, I don't know. I think sometimes the government doesn't respect the government. But it's not the government's job to respect the government. It's our job as Christians to respect the government. Another place that talks about praying for those who are in charge, those who are over our lives, whether we like them or not. I read, I read something one time by the editor of a Christian magazine, and he said, you know, we need to get the right president in place so that we can pray for our president. And I said, wait a minute. We don't have to get the right president in place so we can pray for our president. We need to pray for our president. I can't get no help in here. You should have heard the first service when I said that. They were like, that's right. We should pray for our president right now. Amen. And every other branch of government and every other person serving in government because we need to have respect for the government that is, not for the one that we imagine we should have. <laughs> Thanks. Be law- the, next, the next one, we'll move on because nobody really wants to talk about government. Elections are over. Am I right about it? Let's just move on. So the second thing he says is be law-abiding. Follow the laws. How many know that's a good idea? I try for the most part when I'm not driving to obey laws. Anybody know what I'm talking about? I tend to see stop signs and red lights as suggestions. Uh, <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm kidding. All you young people that just started driving, obey the laws. We need to obey these traffic laws. It's important. One time I said I do some of my best praying when, my, when I'm driving, and my wife said I do some of my best praying when you're driving. It's one of those things, right? But we want to be law-abiding. We want to follow the laws of the land, right? So he says follow the laws of the land. It seems reasonable enough, but it seemed quite radical to the Cretans. Nobody follows the laws. But there's a different standard for the Christians and what there was for the rest of the Cretonians. So we talked about the robbing and the murders and civil war, and I'm, gonna, I'm just going to venture a guess that none of us in the last 24 hours anyway have been involved in robbing, murder, civil war. 
lying, deceiving for our own purposes. Anyway, we're probably not engaged. (laughs) I'm just kidding. We're probably not engaged in those things, right? But there are more practical ways to follow the law. Not necessarily the law of the land. We hear a lot about that. You follow the law of the land, and we follow the law of the land unless the law of the land violates Christian principles, and we follow Christian principles. Anyway, um, but not just the law of the land, but there are other laws, or should we say principles, that govern citizenship. There are principles about our work ethic, about not cheating our boss, about not robbing our companies by showing up late, leaving early, taking things. Ah, they'll never miss this. You know what I'm saying? I know I'm talking to a group of Christians and you're getting really quiet on me. I I think there's also laws or uh, principles, if you will, in relationships with family members. Certain ways we should address one another. Certain things we shouldn't say. I've sat down with married couples in, in my office. You know, they're, from time to time, I, we meet with people who need some, um, you know, some help in their relationships or whatever. And I've, I've had to say to couples, you know, you, the two of you talk to each other. You would never talk to anybody else like that. Because you would, you would lose friends if you did. And yet we're willing to talk to the person that we should be closest to in ways that we wouldn't even talk to an enemy. And we, I'm working at it. And we're and we're try we, we try to live lives that make sense while we're violating basic principles. Anybody help me out in here? I mean, it's just a basic principle: don't lie to people. Be one of the few, the humble, who build bridges instead of walls. If you see a wall going up between you and, and another brother, sister in Christ, or somebody in your family, instead of building that wall, tear that wall down and build a bridge. Do something that humbles you and allows that other individual to feel validated and important and I guarantee you if you walk in humility like that and build bridges instead of walls God will reward that activity and you will be surrounded by people who will absolutely love you and will do anything for you it's true so these relationship issues last one he says is we have um, uh, respect the government right obey the laws third one is be ready to lend a helping hand and so really, uh, this is another foreign concept to the Cretans. I mean, these are not people who are in the habit of lending hands. They're, in the, they're people who are in the habit of taking things and taking, helping themselves, you know. Um, and so he said, look for opportunities to serve people. Look for opportunities. I can't tell you how many times I have missed opportunities to just do something simple to help somebody that I didn't know, that I stumbled across somewhere. And, and I can tell you there have been some times that I've, that I've hit it and I've nailed it, and I had an opportunity to help somebody out and lend a helping hand to someone, and I actually did it. Those are good days. Then there's those other, other times where I go flying past somebody who's broke down on the side of the road trying to get something going. I realize I, what I just did. This happened to me one time. It was a few years ago. It was in the wintertime, and I just preached on, um, on serving people. This is how, I mean, there's a verse we're going to read in a minute that talks about we used to be stupid. It wasn't that long ago. And so I preached this message on helping people, and I drive past this individual, this lady who's actually broke down, the car broke down the side of the road here in town. You know, it was a cold day. She's out there. I just go go past her. I get like three or four blocks down the road, and I thought, what is wrong with me? I just blew right past that person. So I turned my car around, went back, and they were gone, which was really nice. I was glad they got on their way and everything was fine. (laughs) But you know what? what? What happened? What happened to my brain between church preaching about helping people? And the moment I drive by somebody and don't help them. It's called humanity. Don't look at me like I'm some kind of a bad person. You've done the same thing. <laughs> Every now and again, my wife does me the favor of reminding me of things that I've preached. Preaching is a hazard because when you preach stuff, your wife expects you to actually do it. 
And so, you know, we, we, have this, we have these other opportunities to serve people, right? Look for those opportunities. Think of others first. Many of us humans tend to be self-centered. You know what the cure for self-centeredness is? Others-centered. Be others-centered. Center on the needs of others. Okay, we got to get to verse 2. You got to quit holding me up like this. Um, <laughs> Titus 3, verse 2 in the Message Bible says, No insults. Nudge your neighbor, say, mm-hmm. No fighting. No fights, right? God's people should be big-hearted and courteous. We don't really need to expound on that, but let me. This expands the idea of citizenship a little bit. No insults. What would happen if you and I determined to intentionally live our lives in such a way that we would never utter an insulting word or phrase to anyone for any reason ever? You know, it'd be a real blessing to everybody who knows us. To be big-hearted and courteous. I wanted to read this from the New King James Bible because I like what it says in here, and I'm I'm focusing on the message today. We're going to read from a few other translations as well, but I wanted to read the second verse from the New King James Bible and, and see if this strikes a chord with anyone. So the second verse says this, to speak evil of no one. Speak evil of no one. Now I'm wondering who in this room besides me has violated this verse at some point in their life and actually spoken something negative about somebody somewhere sometime. It happens, right? It's part of our humanity. And yet he, he says in this passage in the New King James Bible, speak evil of no one, be peaceable, be gentle, showing humility to all people. So, I mean, literally, he's saying, don't speak evil of anybody ever. Again, I have to wonder, what would, what would be different in our culture, in our society, if, in the world, if just the 2.5 billion Jesus followers would take this to heart? Say, I refuse to say anything evil, which, by the way, doesn't mean, you know, like really bad. It's just something negative, something dark, something negative about that individual. Speak evil of how many people? No one. Not your spouse, not your kids, not your parents, not your neighbors, not brothers and sisters in Christ, not your boss, not the people you work with, not the politicians. No one. Revolutionary concept. I'm sure when Titus read this to the Cretans, the Cretans said, What? What, wait, 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 read that again. What? No insults. What am I supposed to say? What am I, what am I going to do? As a child, my parents tried to teach me, if you don't have something good to say, don't say anything. I didn't catch it. Anybody with me? I mean, it's just humanity, isn't it? But it's kind of interesting. He, he tells them, he says, I want, you to really, I want you to really get under the skin of these Cretans. I want you to instruct these Cretans that they're to say nothing negative about anybody ever. Wow. That's amazing. It's a Christian principle, however. So how are we going to do this? How are we going to recover? I can see see Paul writing this to Titus. And Titus reading this and thinking, wow, this is intense. I have to go to my Cretans and tell them to live this way. I hope I live through it. I mean, I can see Titus thinking, these folks are not going to be happy about this. But I love how Paul kind of brings this back around. You've got to look at the, the, the verbiage here in the Message Bible again in verse 3. It wasn't, he tells, Paul tells Titus, it wasn't so long ago that we ourselves were stupid and stubborn. It wasn't so long ago. How many know that this morning could have qualified for some of that? Anybody? 
wasn't so long ago that we were we ourselves were stupid and stubborn. So Paul's telling Titus, hey Titus, remember this while you're talking to the Cretans. Remember that you and I were stupid, stubborn people not all that long ago. And he went on, he said, we were dupes of sin. Paul is saying, Titus, you and I, we were ordered every which way by our glands. The main reason I use the Message Bible for this translation is because of that thought right there. I just think it's hilarious. Anyway, I won't expound. Um, going around with a chip on our shoulder, hated and hating back. Man, I'll tell you what, we're pretty, pretty good at that. Somebody gives me a jab, I'm going to give them a bigger jab. Right? Somebody give me a jab, yeah, I'll turn my cheek. And when I come back around again, I'll have a fist coming right at them. I'm not getting any help. Going around with a chip on our shoulder, hated and hating back. Look at what he says. In the, this is a God's Word translation of the same verse. It's a different translation of it. Indeed, we too were once stupid. He says it again. Disobedient and misled. We were slaves to many kinds of lusts and pleasures. We were mean and jealous. We are hated and we hated each other. So interesting. Paul is saying, hey, Titus, look, man. As you're dealing with these Cretans, don't be too hard on them. Just remember, you and I were just like this not that long ago. We can relate to these people. You know what? No matter who it is that pushes our buttons, no matter who it is that's living a life that we just shake our heads and say, what is wrong with them? What they need really is our compassion and our understanding that it wasn't that long ago you and I were stupid and stubborn and doing some of the same things. Am I right about it? He's telling Titus, you know, as you're ministering to these Cretans, just remember our old lifestyle, that old lifestyle of self-promotion. Anybody know what I'm talking about? That old lifestyle of self-preservation, self-indulgence, self-focus, self-importance. He said, man, you know, really what he's saying here is, Titus, when you're ministering to them, don't forget that you and I have come from the same place, so show a great amount of compassion for them. We all deal with the same stuff. Look at this verse in 1 John 2.16, using the New King James Bible. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, lust of the eyes, the pride of life, is not of the Father, but is of this world. And every one of us in this world have dealt with those things. Am I right about it? Message Bible, the same verse, says this. Practically everything that goes on in the world, wanting your own way. Sometimes we even go to prayer with that. Wanting everything for yourself. I think it was James that said sometimes our prayers don't get answered because we're asking just for ourselves because we want to consume these things in our lust. Wanting everything for yourself, wanting to appear important. All of this has nothing to do with the Father. It isolates you from him. The ancient Jewish sages, the ancient Jewish teachers from the Talmud and the Mishnah used to teach and say that the three things that will prevent Jews from becoming the people that God wants them to be are these three things, pride, lust, and greed. And I would change that just enough to say all humans deal with these same three things. And if we don't conquer them, we will never be what God wants us to be because these things create division in our lives. There's a certain stupidity and stubbornness associated with that old lifestyle. And so Paul tells Titus, make sure that you, that you grasp this. It wasn't so long ago that we were stupid and stubborn too. In fact, let me, let me just read that. We, don't, we won't see it on the screen. We're going to go to, uh, to the next verse here in just a second, verse 4. But let me read 3, and then we're going to go to 4 and 5, just to keep them in context. So let, here's Paul again speaking to Titus. It wasn't so long ago that we ourselves were stupid and stubborn, dupes of sin, ordered every which way by our glands, going around with a chip on our shoulder, hated and hating back, verse 4. But, but changes the direction of this conversation. But when God... Our kind and loving Savior, God, stepped in. He saved us from a few of those things. No. 
Doesn't it say he saved us from a few? He saved, yeah, he saved us from a few of those things. That's what it says. What did he save us from? All that. Everybody say all that. You ain't. <laughs> Just say. Seriously, you ain't all that because you've been saved from all that. Right? We've been delivered from all that. Everybody say all that. We've, all what? Well, all the stupidity, all the stubbornness, all this, all this rebellion against God wanting our own way and wanting to do everything the way we want it. You know, I've often said this would be a great world if everybody would just do what I think they should do. That is the epitome of pride, lust, and greed. Y'all with me on this? But this but changes everything. And it says he saved us. What's, what tense is that word saved? Past tense. Already happened. I'm not waiting for God to save me from this stuff. He's already saved me from this stuff. He's waiting for me to recognize that I've been saved from this stuff and step into the reality that I can actually live differently than I have. Even today. I've been walking, I've been walking with Christ almost four decades, just short of 40 years, and I'm still learning every day that my flesh has to be redeemed. I'm still a man in need of a Savior. Every day, right? And I think that's what Paul's trying to tell Titus. It wasn't that long ago that we were stupid and stubborn too. But he says this, God saved us from all of that. I love this. He gave us a good bath inside and out. It's pretty cool. Um, back to the verse, right? So it was his doing. We had nothing to do with it. He gave us a good bath. We came out of it, new people washed inside and out by the Holy Spirit. So when he washes us on the inside, that's who we are. Who you are is who you are on the inside. Who you are on the inside is demonstrated by what you do on the outside. So he washed us inside so that our outsides could be different. We don't get changed on the inside by doing outside stuff. If we could do that, then the Ten Commandments and the 613 laws of Leviticus would have stayed intact and Jesus never would have came to redeem us. We would have just had to follow the law. Well, thank God he reduces 613 laws and the Ten Commandments to two simple laws. Love God and love people. Yep. Everything will be all right. I don't know. I just can't get away from that. Sounds like it would be a great mission statement. So Paul is saying this. He's saying, hey, Timothy, look, man. Titus. <laughs> hey, Titus, look, man, here's the deal. What God did for us, he's going to do for the Cretans. He was trying to encourage him. I, I, want, I sometimes wonder, you know, as I was just wondering out loud, but um, I, I wonder if, if Titus, maybe when Paul left Titus there in Crete, if Titus might have complained about that. I mean, I'm just thinking of how humanity works. I mean, Titus was, you know, he saw what Paul was doing there, and Paul said, hey, you know, Titus, I'm going to leave you here to pastor these guys. And Titus is like, why? Why me? What do you got against me? Why I got to stay here and pastor? What I do have to stay here and pastor these folks. I can't help them. You know what? God puts us in places where he can use us, right? He left Titus there for a reason. I got to move on. Stop doing this. Verse 6 says, our Savior Jesus poured out new life so generously. Somebody just say amen to that and we can move on. Amen. Poured out new life so generously. We should all be the more anxious and ready to accept that new life and be changed by it and share that new life with people around us because that's how this thing works. Verse 7, great verse. God's gift has restored our relationship with him. So Paul said, remember Titus, we were in the same condition, but God's gift, his grace, has restored our relationship with him and given us back our lives. And there's more life to come and eternal life. Now I'll tell you what, that is the whole point of what Christ came to do for us, to give us our lives back. Not like they were, but redeemed. Lives that have been redeemed. 
Lives that have been washed. That word redeemed means something that's been rescued. Something where was held captive with a, um, with a ransom price that had to be paid. Nobody could pay that price, but one person stepped up and said, I have the ability to pay that price, paid the ransom price, and redeemed us. That redemption has changed everything in our lives. Reinstated our relationship with God. When he talks about that reinstating, or how does he say he's restored our relationship with God? That goes all the way back to the creation of humanity and the image and likeness of God. And God breathed into man the breath of life and man became a living being. And today God says, I want people who will be in my image and my likeness, who will carry my love and compassion, who will carry my patience and my heart for a broken world. Instead of pointing fingers and speaking evil of people and cursing governments, we bring our hearts and our minds together to bless not curse to speak blessings to speak peace to speak faith to speak over this entire world what God's plan is and that plan is that all people would come into the image and likeness of God with his breath his life living in them that we become holy and creative and that he would give us back not just life but the life he always intended us to have from the very beginning a life that makes sense a life that's whole and complete have to finish this up in verse 8 says you can count on this I want you to put your foot down take a firm stand on these ma- let me hear some feet going down not bad oh, I'll take a, take a firm stand on these matters here, I love this part he says, okay so here the, here's the deal Titus you've got to insist on this by the way the title, title of my message today is I insist. I insist I insist that's right so what Paul's saying I insist Titus that you insist on these things I want you to put your foot down take a firm stand on these matters what matters talk about it in a second so that those check it out so that those who have put their trust in God where are those folks in here today people who have put their trust in God there we go so that check it out so that those who have put their trust in God will concentrate on the essentials that are good for just themselves I seem to have a hard time reading some of these verses today those who have put their trust in God will concentrate on the essentials that are good for them and their political party. <laughs> well, I'm getting some looks now. Good for everyone. Concentrate on the essentials that are good for everyone. So what are those essentials? Look at, let's look at the list. Here's the essentials. Respect the government. I'm going to wait till I get some amens on this. Respect the government. Not just the parts of it that we like and agree with. R-E-S-P-E-C-T. Don't make me sing. All right. Respect the government. Be law-abiding. Not just the laws of the land, but the laws of civility. The laws of family. The laws of work. The laws of human interaction and contact. Obey those laws. Obey those principles. Somebody help me out and I'll move on. Always be ready to lend a helping hand. No insults. No fighting. Don't speak bad about anybody. 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 And if you don't think bad about anybody, you won't speak bad about anybody. Don't speak bad about anybody. Don't speak bad about anybody. Don't speak bad about anybody. Be big hearted and be courteous. See yourself as new people washed on the inside with the Holy Spirit. 
Washed on the outside with the Holy Spirit. Dear Lord, I have to quit preaching. Um, relationship restored with God. That's an essential. Our lives given back to us. Redeemed and whole. Right? I love it, man. Check this out. Those who have put their trust in God will concentrate on these essentials. And what will happen? Be good for everyone. This entire world will benefit when the 2.5 billion Christians on this planet, Christians on this planet, I don't know what I said, concentrate on the essentials. It'll be good for everyone. Nudge your neighbor, say, that's pretty good. All right, look at verse 8 in the Living Bible. I'm done right now. Y'all ready? Last verse right here. Here we go. Titus 3, 8 in the Living Bible. These things I have told you are all true. Insist on them so that the Christians will be careful to do good deeds when it's convenient. To do good deeds when the person deserves good deeds to be done to them. Oh, come on. Don't mess with me. To, to do good deeds when it's convenient and the people deserve to have good deeds done to them. Well, that's what he really meant. <laughs> do good deeds sometimes. All right, if you insist all the time. This is not only right, but it brings results. What are the results? The result that God's kingdom is established on this planet in greater and greater measures all the time because God's people are being God's people. Paul gave Titus pretty big order. I want you to hang out with these robbing, murderous liars, and I want you to teach them how to be people of God. Thank God we get to hang out with good people and together learn how to be the people of God who are better people, right? I love you. And together we are going to make a difference in this world. You all with me? For more information on New Covenant, contact us at 3318 Fifth Avenue South, Fort Dodge, Iowa, 50501. Or you can call us at 515-955-6222.